Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 218, Once More Into the News, recorded December 13th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me once again this week is your friend and mine, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hello, Seth. Hello, Mark, and hello, beautiful world. So glad you could join us today. Love coming at you for this awesome show. Wow, Seth is really feeling the holiday spirit. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't have... Oh, you know, if you have one of those um, plastic Walmart bags, or you get a white one, and you put them over your ear, you put the loops over your ears and it hangs down it looks like a beard and you can do the ho 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 and make a really good santa it'd be a cheap funny santa outfit so that's a bonus holiday tip for all of our element op faithful yeah that's tight water proved right there oh. it, 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 it's it's hilarious and it works so all right so chris is not with us tonight as often happens this time of year he has family uh, engagements his daughter i believe has some sort of recital so he's doing that um, we wish him uh, a happy Kwanzaa or whatever. I think we're technically in Hanukkah. I I don't know. Um, yes, Hanukkah, Hanukkah was recently, but I think we're still in the range of it, right? Yes, it started last week. One of the uh, partners of the firm I work for is Jewish, so we have the menorah up. So you know, I mean, I know it's Hanukkah. So uh-huh. yay! And because I know history and trivia and stuff, I actually know what Hanukkah is about. So yay me! Look, I can pat myself on the back for that one. Yeah, it was uh, uh the Maccabean people, I believe. It was uh yes. they had one night of candle oil for their lamps and they lasted eight nights during a siege of some sort. That's how long it took to purify the oil. And so in order, you know, they couldn't put non-purified oil in there, but to go through the ritual purification process, okay. They they the oil that wasn't enough to last but a day lasted through the purification process. So that's what Hanukkah is about. As as one of my Jewish acquaintances says, it's a minor religious holiday that we've made a big deal out of to match the hegemony of Christmas so that we don't feel left out. Got no problem with that. <laughs> um, and I, he's Jewish, so I figure he would know. Um, I, I celebrated a milestone, just want to mention it, 21 years ago, I convinced a woman to marry me, and she hasn't decided it was a terrible idea yet. So uh, just this week, on December 10th, I celebrated my 21st wedding anniversary. We celebrated in the way we always do, by going to McDonald's and getting fast food. Um, it's a cuter story than it sounds like. When we were first married, uh, we had a f- wedding photographer who was brilliant, but so finicky that by the time we took our pictures between the wedding ceremony and the, the reception, he took so long that by the time we got to the reception, everybody had eaten and they were ready to go. And they were like, yay, the bride and groom is here. Eat some cake. We're gone. Um, and so right. there was no food left. And at like 1130 on our first night as man and wife, we were headed toward Dallas where we were going to spend our one night honeymoon uh, in a in a fancy schmancy uh, embassy suites or something like that. It was big time for us, um, you know, maybe a hundred and twenty dollar night hotel room, um, which back and, then that was a lot more money yeah. than it is today. And uh, so our first meal as husband and wife was McDonald's drive through. Um, and so a year later, when it was our anniversary, we were still dirt poor, didn't have anything. And when we were trying to decide where to go, we thought, well, let's go recreate our first night. And so we've done that 21 times now. See, and that's what makes it cool. Otherwise, you would just be lame. You couldn't come <laughs> up with anything for your anniversary. But because you've done it, you know, that's what you really should have done. Too bad, you know, is if only if only you would have had a cell phone back then, you could have taken a selfie or a picture every, every year. year. And Yeah. yeah so. So we get the same meal every year. Uh, what's different now is, you know, uh, the kids come with us now and they get their food. But uh, my wife and I order the same meal every year. And um, uh, the tradition for a long time was drive through because we drove through on the way to the honeymoon. Uh, but a couple of years ago, we we decided to mediate that because we had kids in a messy, uh, you know, messy kids in a clean van. So we decided we would go in. Uh, so that's the tradition. But yeah, every year on our anniversary, we go to McDonald's. And then that was Thursday night. Friday night, I took her out to a, a nicer restaurant and we had an actual meal. But anyway, um, happy anniversary to my wife who will never listen to this. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you know, that's good. Like, uh, you get brownie points somehow. I don't know how they know, but you get brownie points for doing it. And, uh, one last bit of follow up. Uh, I have mentioned, I've been mentioning for a while, uh, imploring you to sign up on Patreon and just pledge a penny. It's about the support, not about the money. Um, and I had a, a couple of people, one in particular, uh, write me saying, you can't pledge a penny. And I thought, well, that's silly. I, I know I can pledge a penny. I've done it before. Um, just to, see not because i didn't want to pledge a penny i wanted because but before i came to you saying you can pledge a penny i went and tested it well it turns out you could up until a couple of months ago where patreon changed that uh that ruling and people who had been supporting a project prior to the change can go downgrade their changes so when i was going to say cord killers and saying can i change my pledge down to a nickel or a penny i could well that's because i've been pledging to that project that's both an old project and an old support but you can't sorry the minimum now is a dollar. So uh, I was inadvertently lying to you saying it doesn't matter. Pledge a penny. You can't pledge a penny. You have to pledge a minimum of a dollar per episode. So uh, sorry for misleading you on that. Um, if a dollar is just more than you can handle, I apologize uh, for leading you astray. And Seth is dying. He's actually coughing his left lung out right Man, now at this moment. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and I've already drank my water. <laughs> Uh, do you need a minute you okay hold on all right he's gonna turn his mic off and take a minute and uh we'll come back to him uh that but uh i will uh, i while he's coughing his lung out i will read an email uh, our one and only bit of listener feedback andy follows up about firefox he says greetings gentlemen you read my email on episode 216 uh, about my also having issues with firefox in mint 17 what i was insinuating in that message but failed to simply state outright was have you tried doing a comparison speed test between firefox and chrome to see if you have a difference even if it's not noticeable in your browsing style uh, the answer to that question is yes i did do that test and there was no significant difference on my mint 17 platform then he goes on to say i wanted to let you know that i solved the problem and you gentlemen deserve the credit to answer uh, an answer to chris's question from that episode no i don't run any themes but on 215 when talking about another user who was having firefox issues i believe it was chris who made the offhand comment about deleting profiles i moved my dot mozilla directory to another name and let firefox build a new one and lo and behold i got my speed back then he goes on to say that he's uh, had the same profile since the early 2000s uh, keeps he keeps it on a different partition so he just keeps rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding and uh and so he got a little crufty so there you go andy uh uh fixed his own problem and is sharing that i, I know that is an issue with things i it's not something i run into often probably because i switch machines you know every few years i don't keep something around for like eight years um so maybe that's why i never ran into that so he was actually following our advice of having a separate partition for Absolutely. that so you just so way to go see we cause problems so we can fix them later and we get two shows out of that right and i i'm sure i have blown away profiles from time to time it's, it's one of the things that i first do probably from my old uh you know experience in windows where you you'd have to go in and blow away a registry uh when i first start noticing something's not right that's one of the first things i do so because it's such a commonplace part of my troubleshooting i i it not, doesn't stand out to me if i've done that and if it solved anything uh, but right. Chris recommended it. Andy confirms that it works. So if you're having problems with Firefox or anything, really, uh, just just delete the. You don't even have to delete it. You can just rename it. And in in Linux, one of the uh, bugs, not a feature as I see it, is it's case sensitive. So you just change it from a lowercase Firefox to an uppercase Firefox, and Linux goes, "What? I don't see that anymore. It's gone. What? What'd you do? It's magic." Do you believe in magic? <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry. I really think that is a, a fundamental design flaw in all Unix-based operating systems is case sensitivity in the file system. And I can hear you right now writing me angry emails or using the Zcast app to tell me how that is one of the coolest features ever. It is not a feature. It, you're, you're rationalizing. You have found ways to make something that's a bug functional by you know changing the, the, the case of something and calling it good. No, it is a bug that should have been squashed 10 years ago it's not a feature that's all i have to say about that yeah but that you can't really squash that bug because then you've got to go through and do some type of backwards checking so that all these other 
file names that it has previously been recognized as two all of a sudden get merged into the same thing right. because there's somebody out there who does that. Oh, lots of people do. Yeah. Um, like when I want to delete something in Windows without deleting it, I change the name of it to whatever that is dash deleted. So, you know, that's the same thing in Windows. You might just change uh, or in, in Linux, you might change the case of it. But all these other file systems are coming on ZFS, ButterFS, um, all these things. They all are keeping that bug. They're not trying to fix it. They're not saying this new file system for the 21st century doesn't have a 1970s bug. They're all convincing themselves that this is the way computers are supposed to be, and it's not. Hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I see the pros and the cons of this going either way, Mark, and so I, I understand the, I understand the position you've taken, but don't you see the valid ideas ensconced by the other side? Thank you for taking the milk toast approach. Now, uh, you have apparently you have drank some Kool Aid other than what you were going to talk about in the notes. Yeah, and it's uh, kind of what caused my coughing fit there. But um, as of this afternoon, I am on my uh, Prime trial membership. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I did it for some shipping that I qualified for anyway. But um, you know, you gave me that gift card for Netflix, so thank you very much. And so I went out. I became, I spent so much money on myself. I don't know what I did. I went looking at the speaker systems. I decided to go with a sound bar and then I bought a Roku and I was looking at them all. <laughs> and, uh, because I needed something that right. I could, I didn't, you know, I want to watch Netflix on my big screen TV. And I was looking at all the different ro- options and I went, I'll choose the Roku for why does it turn out to be the most expensive one? <laughs> so I did all of that and now. And then, so now I'm going to also be able to do all the Amazon uh, videos and Prime, stuff on yes. it as well. So, yep, yeah, I uh, I consumed some Kool-Aid there. and uh, So I gave you the classic white elephant gift. This time of year, people often play a game uh, called the white elephant uh, gift. That goes back to ancient India, where a white elephant, an albino elephant, it was a prized, uh, uh, sacred thing, uh, so much so that you had to if you were in the possession of an albino elephant, uh, you had to sacrifice anything for the health and well-being of the elephant. And as they grow to be two tons uh, in weight, uh, they consume more and more. They take up more and more space. And so to give someone a white elephant gift was to to potentially bring ruin upon their house uh, by giving them a noble gift. So I literally gave you a white elephant gift. I gave you a gift that will, in fact, bring ruin upon you financially and, and societally. Yes, you you have done that because, you know, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I mean, obviously, I kind of like it because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I made a big extra payment on my credit card and then I got a bonus from uh, my job. I wasn't expecting one because I hadn't only, I'd only been there for five months. But so what I do, I spent more than that bonus and then I went crazy buying Christmas presents for people. So, yay, it's good to be me. <laughs> And so now you can watch all the old movies and even the the relatively new movies as they come out on on both Prime and Netflix. Yes, but you know, I could have set all that stuff up Saturday, but instead I went and saw a couple of movies at the uh multiplex in uh a small town. And you know, I saw we talked I talked about Spotlight last week, which if you didn't hear my review, my review is go see it, it's awesome. Um and so last night I went to a smaller town, smaller cinema, and for what it cost me to just get into the other movie, I saw two movies had drinks, popcorn, and a hot dog, and it was still cheaper. So um, if, if you're a Rocky fan, which I don't know if there's a huge crossover between Rocky fans and our audience, but Creed, they did an excellent job with Rocky. Um, it's I'm a looking very, forward to it. I really, if you're a fan of Rocky, you know, all the, they did a good job. You could tell it wasn't written by Stallone, but he obviously had input, but they, it was really good. And then I also saw the last uh, Hunger Games film and I was blown away by how much I liked it. I wasn't expecting much because it was covering the, the weakest part of the series, the last part of the fourth book, but our third book, but it turned out excellent. I loved it. So, um, yay. I've been watching movies and spending money. I'm like a real person this week. <laughs> I, uh, um, haven't seen anything new, uh, but I did watch something old just yesterday. I watched Ant-Man, 
Uh, it, it came to me, my DVD via Netflix. Uh, we missed it at the theater largely because I was uninterested, but also just scheduling and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I watched it and I, it, eh, it's fine. Um, you know, that's, that's my review of movies that I don't have anything really negative to say about it. It's fine. Um, I, I don't regret having watched it. I'm, I don't regret not having seen it in IMAX 3D either. Um, it's, I think it's probably rated, I think it's PG 13, but I would give it an 11 plus, um, you know, uh, maybe, maybe 10 plus, uh, an advanced 10 year old. There's, there's comic book cartoon type violence. Uh, there's a few bad words, but I, it's, it was entertaining. It was, there was a lot of comedy in it. It was fine. It's fine movie. It was fine. See, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a, it was, it maybe, in my opinion, was the best of the phase two movies. So here's one of the things that I had a problem with the bait and it's because I'm a physics guy, uh, is part of the problem. So the, the entire science of Ant-Man is that he has found a way to, to reduce the space between atoms. So your density doesn't, well, your density changes, your mass doesn't change. Just the, the, the area of which that mass takes up changes. And that's what gives him the power, right? You're a 200 pound man, uh, th- uh, throwing a punch, but you're delivering all 200 pounds into, uh, an area of the space of a millimeter. Uh, in fact, that's one of the lines in the movie. They're too hard and you're a bullet and you can kill somebody too softly and, and it's a love tap. I, okay. I accept that premise. However, right. there's no ant alive that can lift 200 pounds. So if the mass if the if the mass stays constant, that whole flying around on an ant thing goes out the window. Oh yeah, you know that part didn't get me. What got me was the tank being carried around. That in the too, pocket. right? That would the, weigh sixty tons, even though it's still small. Right, and that I didn't think about the the guy flying around the ant. But if if the blown up train bounces off of you when it hits then you can't carry a full-size tank in your pocket shrunk down. Right. So, you know, those are the well, those the, are the flaws. Also, the, the blown-up train smashed a car, right? Well, it shouldn't have. It should have just still weighed the six ounces it weighed. So they set a rule, and then they broke their own rule. Had they not set that rule, I would have been fine with it. But they, they went, they created dialogue. There was exposition that specifically defined the rules of the universe. Then they, def- they broke that rule. That's not okay. Yeah. But I still enjoyed the movie. It's it's like Highlander too. There can be only one, except when there's more than one. Right. You know, but they, well, I mean, but the one can come again. So <laughs> there can only be one. Uh, he can just show up as much as he wants. So, so that that's that's one of my things about about movies. You can write whatever rules you want, but by golly, you've got to abide by those rules. And they didn't do it, and I couldn't get past it. I could not get past that. I will, I totally agree and I understand where you're coming from. Um, I obviously was able to get past it because I enjoyed <laughs> the movie. And like I say, I think it was the best phase two. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess, because that's a phase two movie, but those two were really the only two phase two movies that I liked. Um, so. All right. Well, that, that's what you can expect from everyday Linux as we talk about movies. Uh, no, that's why we're changing the name of the show, by the way. Uh, but before we go on too farther, let me talk about something I do like, and that's our friends over at DigitalOcean. Uh, they uh, offer you uh, cloud-based virtual server hosting that's uh, as close to to uh, real metal as you can get in a virtual environment. I really believe that's a true statement. Uh, virtual hosting has some limits, but they have eliminated as many of those limits as is technologically possible to right now. So you get really high-level performance on a VM, but it's your own server. So it's somewhere between buying your own server in terms of flat-out metal and having a shared hosting service with something like HostGator, where when somebody else is running a process, it, it can uh, affect to you. So virtual uh, server hosting on really fast machines, dedicated ECC, RAM, RAID, SSD storage, yes, SSD, everything is on SSD. So it makes it lightning fast. You can spin up a new droplet is what they call their virtual machines in less than a minute. Uh, and not only just less than a minute can you get a server, but you can get it fully loaded. So they've got all these images, right? So if you want your own Drupal or a WordPress or whatever, one click installs. You click a button, uh, wait 55 seconds, and you've got a dr- fully functional Drupal just ready to, to launch into um, and that's pretty impressive and and once you get there it's you know it's it's high performance it's good you get uh, everything has a, uh, a all the uh, network interfaces are gigabit or better 
Uh, and the price is totally reasonable. So their lowest entry level price, $5 a month, you get a half a gig of RAM, a single core processor, 20 gigs of SSD, and, and one terabyte per month of transfer. So if you're running a mommy blog, um, that is going to be more than enough to handle, uh, you know, anything that dig or, or Reddit, I guess dig isn't the thing anymore, uh, can send you. Um, and they don't come crashing down when you go over your one terabyte. They, there's a, a scaling, um, uh, overage charge. It's not a big chunk. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at what it is, but it's some, it's some fraction of uh, a penny per megabyte once you go over uh, your terabyte. So they don't cut you off. You're going to get going, but you're also not going to get a $700 bandwidth bill um you move up a little bit the one that i think is the sweet spot for most people ten dollars a month get a giga ram a single core processor 30 gigs of storage and a two and two terabytes of transfer a month so if you're if you're wanting to play around with a project uh they've got a full server api system and, and something i don't talk about very much is the the web-based console Everybody offers a web-based console, but this you actually get a full graphic, so you can log into a graphical desktop if you want, uh, and and interact with a with a mouse and a keyboard through a web page on a graphical console, or you can use their API interface where it just makes things really simple. If you're just not into servers but you need a server, uh, they've got you covered, and they've got you covered in terms of of cost too. So if you if you use the code Everyday Linux when you sign up, you get uh, ten dollars in credits. So you that's let's see quick math here. That's two free months of the five dollar a month services or one free month of the ten dollar a month so there's no cost there's no no risk uh here you you use your ten dollar credit uh use it for one or two months or, or half a month if you buy the twenty dollar a month plan check it out you don't like it walk away no harm no foul you do like it you 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 pay for what you need and it and it's and while it's ten dollars a month it's ten dollars for a month of uptime so they don't just debit your card uh ten dollars and then go they at the end of the month they figure out how much you've used and they bill you that much so while it's technically ten dollars a month if you if you power it up for a minute do something and power it back off you can get months out of ten dollars worth of credit because it's ten dollars per month of uptime so that's that's a neat little way to work the system there. Check them out. Use the code Everyday Linux when you sign up. Let them know that we sent you. You get that ten dollars credit, and uh, we will be happy that you did. And I think you'll be happy that you did. DigitalOcean.com. Now, Not yeah, <laughs> Booking. Yeah. Uh, uh, now let's move on to some news of the week. This is all going to be news, right? The last news uh, of the ep- of of the episode. Yes, this is going to be the last news episode of this episode. The last news episode of this year. Uh, just a little programming of the note. show. Uh, Are you of kidding? The show. That's true. Yeah. So this will be if you're listening live, and nobody is. Um, this is going to be the last live show that we'll do in the year of 2015. So we're going to do this new show next week. Uh, will be uh, Chris's Gnome Three review. He's done an uh, exhaustive review of, of GNOME 3 uh, in, in, same, in, in the ways that he's done uh, OS reviews in the past, but this time specifically looking at the desktop. Then the week after that will be uh, an interview with the guy who runs the reallylinux.com website, and then that's the end of Everyday Linux. And we'll come back in January with the Geek Rant uh, podcast, and uh, we'll have all sorts of new stuff. In fact, I believe we're starting Geek Rant. We're getting away from Everyday Linux. We're moving away from that name. So to really cement that, the first episode of uh, Really Linux is, is I mean, of, of Geek Rant is going to be, a I think, a Linux distro review. So just, uh, just to be consistent uh, about our own behavior. <laughs> we thought it was funny. Yeah. So having said all that, uh, uh, apparently Steam accounts are hacked all day, every day. Apparently, they released some statistics, uh, Valve did, that says some 77,000 Steam accounts are hacked every month. And, you know, this can be kind of bad because you've been playing for years and you've developed quite a collection of all of the super rare pieces and all the different games from quests and stuff that you've done. And then here, you know, your account got hacked and everything got traded away. Well, you can get them back because Valve will replace them, but all of a sudden they're not as rare anymore because the ones that were stolen from you or traded, you know, your, your plus 75 sword of awesomeness was traded for one rusty dagger, you know, stuff like that doesn't work out well for you when your account got hacked. So, and also what they're doing is they're implementing meaning some security and they're trying to up their security. Um, they have some things in place, but nobody's using them. So in order for you to get your stuff back immediately without some type of waiting list, they're saying you'll need to sign up for some of these things. Um, I think it's a good deal that they're working to make the games more secure. 
And again, this is because, you know, you can't have Puppy Chow has your password or, you know, or Beastmaster 75 doesn't uh, not a good password make. So choose a good solid password, maybe get two factor authentication or something like that. And then there you go. You'll be more secure and the games will be better because there won't be all those plus 75 swords of awesomeness running around because your your account got pwned every other day for the last month. And this hacking is is not a weakness in Steam. This is a weakness in users choosing FluffyDog97 as their password. Yeah. You need FluffyDog followed by at least three digits yeah. now. So ha- hacking is really not the word to use for it. Uh, you could call it social engineering, but it's really just it's guessing users' account passwords, which is the, the oldest form of hacking and nothing new. And it's not going to, you know, it's not going to change uh, as long as you have. And, and I, I get that, right? People sign up on the very first day of their Steam account. They don't deem it as an important thing. Well, it's just my games. I'll just put in a weak password. And then they, they get into a game and they've spent thousands of dollars on in-game content, which happens. Um, and, and they still have that original weak password. So assume every time you sign up, there's no such thing as a throwaway account. That's sort of the 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 attitude I've taken over the years because I'm just as guilty of that I've uh, signed up for my original Gmail account. Um, I signed up with a super weak password because pff, I'm not going to use this Gmail thing. Well, now Gmail is my life. Um, I've since gone back and hardened that, but it's it's it takes more effort after you've done that because anything you've got the password saved in or whatever, uh, any apps you've got to kind of redo that. So just assume from the beginning that everything you're going to do is going to be important to you. And the easiest way to do that is use a password manager like LastPass and have it randomly generate and save for you. So that's two steps that that happens at, at once, right? It generates a gnarly 24-character random password that you're never going to remember, but you never have to because it's already there. And, and LastPass is what I like. Uh, a lot of people are panicking because they were bought by LogMeIn. I'm, I'm I'm not going to panic until they show me there's reason to, uh, but you know there are other tools out there. So that's your uh, year-end tip. Don't assume there's any such thing as a throwaway account. That's not important. All security is always important. But Mark, once they show you, won't it then be too late? So, uh huh. You said you won't panic from LastPass being oh, purchased well, that's until true. they. So you know, no, by I, the time you see, I don't expect. I don't think there's going to be any kind of of. Uh, security thing uh, because the way they implement security is is uh is pretty ironclad i think it's going to be they're going to start doing unsavory things they're going to you know jack up the price right now it's 12 bucks a year uh, i think the next time i go to renew they're going to say let's add a zero to that 120 bucks a year that sort of thing that's the kind of crap that i expect log me into pool i think that the underlying technology is, is safe this version of it but what happens when LastPass 2.0 comes out with all new crypto back in. Well, then I can make a choice whether I want to stay with it. So until right. then, I'm just not worrying about it. It's trying to give you the tinfoil hat. No, I get there. it. Sometimes you... it's lacking on this show. So. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you full, fall down on your job. Uh, Microsoft wants to train you how to use Linux. What? 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 Is this like a Kafka novel? <laughs> I mean, this is really this story right here is why we are changing our name because Microsoft announced a new training program to help teach windows people uh, in it, how to use Linux. And there's actually a certification they're offering for uh, Linux on their Azure cloud platform. So we won. Yeah. That's, we no longer need everyday <laughs> Linux because Microsoft's offering a cert for it. We're moving on to geek rant. That's uh... a, <laughs> I, that's there's no other way to say that than we won. Right. Microsoft is now not only writing for Linux, not only hosting Linux, but teaching you Linux. Linux has one on the server, not on the desktop yet, um, and I don't know that we ever will. Uh, it'll be the the plumbing for the desktop things out there. But this is the CEO Satya Nadella comes out and says we are all in on Linux. Uh, IBM did this a few years ago. They were all in on Linux for like a year and a half, and then backed off. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Microsoft changes CEOs like I change my underwear. So uh, this well, this may all change very soon. I don't think they're quite that bad. They've had, you know, you there was know Bill how Gates. Often I my he was there for a long, long time. Steve Ballmer was there for a decade. So, and now this guy. So, you know, unless, I don't know, Mark, I don't know how often you change your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that is about right. 
All right. Well, let's move on to quantum computing. Has been a thing for a while, but not practical in any way. Well, NASA and Google are working together to make it actually practical. Yes. And this is one of those where everybody knows that quantum computing is the next big thing. But what they did is they said, okay, this is the task we want to run. So let's build a quantum computer specifically for this task. And guess what? Because you built it specifically for that task, it runs so much faster than any other off-the-shelf computer that is going to run that in addition to telling you what time it is in 47 different time zones and serving up solitaire and free cell. So in much the same way, I think part of this, in much the same way that Apple's are better machines because they're, everything is optimized for that hardware set, you know, part of that is built in here. So I think it's cool, but, you know, we're still in the infancy of quantum computing. It was proclaimed a thing long before it should have been, and there hasn't been a really true quantum computer yet. There's been some little breakthrough and some lab things like that, but they just, they, um, this is just a hard article to summarize, but basically whenever you're trying to figure stuff out and, you know, you throw one variable in and then two and then three and then four and then five, it gets to the point to where it would take a regular computer ages to run and may- maybe ages in computer terms, not in human terms, to run through all the variables. Well, quantum computers, because they can be both one and a zero instead of a one or zero, the bits can, can do those things exponentially or orders of magnitude faster. And so... They said this thing they did was a hundred million times faster than a conventional computer with a single core processor. But you know what conventional computer these days has a single core processor. So it's still going to be a lot faster, but part of this is just, um, you know, a press release, uh, fluff over, um, fluff over food. Um, yeah, I think there's some breakthroughs here, but we're still not there on quantum computing yet. Hartmut Nevin says what a D-Wave machine does in one second would take a conventional computer with a single core 10,000 years to perform a similar task. Uh, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, you got to go go back to the first days of these these transistorized machines or even prior to transistors, vacuum tubes. That's where we are with quantum computing. We're at, we're at the ENIAC in the EDVAC. Um, and so the, it's a giant machine that does one thing really well. Uh, and we'll later, you know, we'll make it small machines that do anything really well. So I'm excited about it, but we, you got to understand where we are. This is the EDVAC. Yeah. May, maybe one step up from Hummer Hollerus punch machine, but you know, maybe not much. Um, quantum computing has been the promise since the eighties, really. I mean, it's been a long time. Uh, even before the modern computers that we have today were the thing, people were, were speculating on these, these quantum computers. And what we figured out is that it's a whole lot more efficient to just make the technology we're using now better. Um, that's one of the interesting things about Moore's law, right? Uh, uh, Moore projected that we would double the amount of transistors we can put on a chip every two years. Um, that's been sort of, um, over the years transmogrified into computers double their capacity every two years. And that's shown to be true, even though his original law isn't. We haven't been able to double the number of transistors we put, but we have been able to double the processing power every two years, even 18 months, even even every 10 months in some places because we we found new ways around old technology. And so that's that's what's going to happen. We're just going to figure something out. Maybe it'll be quanta. Maybe it'll be uh, crystal computers. There's some work being done on that. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff. But at some point, we're going to uh, reach the limit, and we're, we're darn close to it now. With common manufacturing techniques, we just can't put any more transistors on a chip. Um, so we're, we're nearing that limit. That's why machines pretty much don't go faster than three gigahertz anymore. Um, and why you don't, you don't have faster machines. You just throw more cores at it. We can't really make cores better enough to be efficient, right? We can make them better, but there's the, the cost versus energy. It's not worth it. It's just easier to throw another core on. Well, we can keep doing that. You can make, you know, 7 million core machines if you want, but at some point the energy and, and the, the complexity of that doesn't fall, flow. So once we hit that limit, we're going to need this next thing. And a lot of people, I'm one of them, think quantum computing is going to be that next thing, but it's just really infantile right now. Yep. It ain't here yet. But, uh, you know, what was it? ENIAC EDVAC, that was 1950s. So, you know, in 60 years, we may, we may be wearing quantum-based wristwatches. 
or we'll have a quantum chip embedded in our cerebral cortex, right? Which is a scary, scary thought. I don't so think there. about that: ten thousand years on a on a single core machine can be uh, worth of processes can be done on a second. What kind of number crunching can you do when that kind of power becomes commonplace? Uh, it's it's really hard. To, we can't. I say it's hard to imagine. We can't imagine it. Um, there are problems too big for us to even to even comprehend right now, let alone to think about solving. Uh, Einstein's uh, theory of relativity consisted of, of 10 interlocking equations that weren't fully solved until after he was dead. And it took computers, um, you know, that we wouldn't consider modern computers, but at the time they were the top of the line computers. They actually melted processors trying to, to, to solve these computers. They got, they did so much work so fast, so hard, they melted the processors. Uh, so now, now we can do that though. The tech, we now can model what we believe to be the the beginning of the big bang of a universe right all the way down to you know milliseconds after the bang we don't know what happens before that the the equations break down and we can we can look at the the macro scale and go huge and we can do the micro scale all in in mathematical simulations uh so much so that a lot of people have have started to deride modern physics as being fancy math with not much real science but the point is the things that we couldn't even imagine before we can now do so what what is it we can't imagine now? I'm excited to find out. Yeah, I you know I I couldn't even ha- fathom a guess. Yeah, sorry that was <laughs> it, it was I tried for something funny and it just like uh it couldn't it was the timing if the timing had been right you know it it could have been gold but instead it was just lead. What, whatever, whatever the future holds, there's one thing I'm quite certain of, and that is cable companies are going to suck. Yeah, no disagreement there. Um, this is a, uh, I came across a link to this and I just wanted to share it with people. Um, but Cox, you know, the awesome cable company, Paragon of Virtue, um, you know, shining beacon of hope in the future of internet in America you know, uh, and any other sarcasm you want to throw in there, they have this page on their website that explains how cutting the cord and ditching cable and cutting your internet bill in half costs you more money. Could lead to a divorce. It could. <laughs> yeah. You know, when all they had to say, there's like, it's like, and it's, it's kind of funny. If you know the truth behind what they're saying, it's kind of funny, but they could have summed it up in, um, you know, in just two sentences. We have a data cap. If you get rid of our TV, you'll go over your data cap watching data. So yep. that's all they had to say. But instead, they talk about how, well, it requires a smart TV and only 25% of the population has it. You know, they don't mention anything about Roku's or Chromecast or anything like that. They talk about how hard it is to try to find these cable content outside of them and this we're all in one place you've known us for a while and you're already getting your internet here so come on sick with paying us way too much money for cable anyway it's just a funny it's a funny thing take some time to read it and uh because here's the deal somebody who doesn't know like think grandma um you know or you know your crazy cousin phil um they're going to read something like this and they're going to think, Oh my gosh, this is why I'm never leaving because it's too hard. And you just need to know this is out here so you can show them. No, that's just a bunch of poo poo. And, uh, but anyway, funny story. Take the time to read it and, uh, enjoy. Try to keep your blood pressure down. Yeah. The, the, the reason cord cutting is difficult and potentially expensive is that, um, cable companies go out of their way to make it difficult and potentially more expensive um so this is (laughs) you're right seth the way they should write this article is cord cutting is going to cost you more in the long run because we control how much it costs um you know their last their last paragraph here what's more setting up hardware based over the top services can be troublesome Choosing the correct inputs and seeking your TV volume control across all the remotes can be challenging. And speaking of remotes, do you really want another one sitting on the coffee table or potentially getting lost between the couch cushions? A lost remote can mean no access to Netflix, Hulu Plus, or HBO Go. Oh, the humanity. And all of these things are true statements. 
Right. Um, and, and right. If you're a, if you're a retired, uh, you know, grandma who's not, I mean, as it is now, all of us who are geeks and certainly cord cutter geeks know that you have to have the babysitter manual. You have to have the you know, this three page manual that says in order to watch uh, the Netflix, push this button on this remote and this button on this remote and in the volume here. That's a real problem. The struggle is real, um, but it's not a it's not it's not life threatening, right? People figure that out. And one one way I figured it out was I bought a Logitech Harmony remote. I push the button on the touch screen that says watch TV and things magically happen. Um, yes, it costs me more, but. It doesn't cost me more than the, you know, the $150 worth of, of satellite that, that I would be paying for. I haven't cut the cable largely for two reasons, uh, kids programming and, um, uh, live events. So that, that's why I'm still there. Uh, but once we figure out the live events and I thought area was going to solve that problem for me. In fact, they did solve that problem for me in a completely legal way until the Supreme Court said, yeah, all this legal stuff you did is illegal, but I'm not bitter. <laughs> I am bitter. Uh, moving on to something else I can be bitter about. Amazon is selling TV network. What? I just, I, you know, now these are extra charges, but if, if you have cut the cord and say you want to, um, you want to add showtime. Now you don't have to purchase that through your satellite or cable TV. You can purchase that through Amazon. It's a monthly charge. It's $9 a month. But, you know, things like that, Stars, Comedy Central, stuff like that, now you can purchase through Amazon. So if you have cut the cord, you can um, you can purchase almost cable packages right. over your... Now, again, if you have a metered connection, which every cable company wants to do so they can charge you more money, then this could get very expensive. But if you have unlimited or something like that, then you can purchase these from uh, from Amazon now. So if you've cut the cord, you can still get your Showtime and Stars and Comedy Central. And doing a little quick math here on their list, if you purchased all of these, you'd pay about $135 a month, which is, you know, kind of average cable with some add-ons. So the the a lot of the cord cutters will will talk about how it's less expensive. It's it can't it it can be as expensive or more expensive, but the thing is you have the power. Like um if you don't want uh uh ESPN 8 the Ocho, you don't have to have it. Um but and that's the difference. Where else am I going to get to see the American Dodgeball Association of America? dip duck dive dud duck and dive i can't remember what they all are uh but love that movie so yeah i'm uh hbo go and stars and all these things these are great and they're not just available on amazon but some of them actually do have um exclusivity with amazon so amazon wants to be your new cable company um and I, that doesn't bother me at all, frankly. Netflix could do it. Hulu could do it. Anybody could do it. The difference is let me buy what I want. If I want the all-you-can-eat smorgasbord that that offer the tiered pricing that most people have now, I should have that option. If I want to buy just one or two things, I should have that option. The problem that, that bothers me with cable companies, other than the crappy service that is inevitable with a, a, a monopoly or a duopoly, uh, is the fact that there's the choice isn't mine to make the the i would dish network i like dish network uh, i've been with them for a decade and a half but my complaint is if i want to go get uh the uh the history two channel right uh i i gotta pay i gotta get like 16 other channels that go with it it's part of a package uh the package i have right now i bought that package specifically to get disney i got like 17 or 18 other channels i do not want so i can let my kids watch the disney channel so uh, you you might think, well, just go online to the Disney Channel app. That that's great. Except the first thing they ask you is uh, log on with the cable providers to prove that you've already bought Disney Channel. So these these incestuous relationships already exist. And and these things, you know, while Amazon may want to sell you stars, sometimes stars. Uh, I don't know about stars in particular, but a lot of these things are going to ask you. Great, show me your cable subscription. So there there's still all these you know these backdoor deals going on that makes this not a reality yet, but it's going to be. Um, and the problem is that the backbone is still owned by a monopoly anywhere in the country, a duopoly at best. Yep, it sure is. But this is, this is a step in the right direction. Um, 
the, like I say, I was just flabbergasted when I came across this. Um, but it's kind of cool. So it is a step in the right direction. It is choice. So now, you know, maybe this will help bring some of the other prices down because they're throwing some competition in the mix and that's usually good for the consumer. Right. I, and I think so. The The back of this camel is going to be broken eventually. We just don't know what the straw is yet. And how much it's going to suck out of us before it breaks. Right. Um, I, I, I really think it's going to take some sort of uh, governmental deregulation for that to happen uh, because we, we are heavily regulated right now. And I think something's going to have to break that the in the only, U.S. anyway. Yeah, the only reason I agree with you on that is because people as a whole are too complacent. People have the power to break the monopoly, but we want because we're too complacent to do it. So that's why it's going to take something like that. All right. Moving on to the next news story. Uh, why tricity or pulling uh, radio wave uh, energy out of the air has been a thing for a while, but a company out of the Netherlands has actually made something with it. Yes, this is a um, they have developed. It's basically just a temperature sensor chip. Um, and it's super small, like, you know, you can barely see it sitting on your uh, finger. But the thing about it is it does not have a battery or any power receptors. It draws power from regular radio wave broadcast. I just think that's kind of cool. And now, you know, you're not going to power your laptop like this today, but has this first gets refined, um, I, you know, one less cord. Now you don't have to have a power cord. You just have to have a much stronger Wi-Fi router. Right. So, so. essentially, this is a Wi-Fi enabled uh, chip that draws power from the Wi-Fi. Uh, right now, we can only do these on very small scales because it's so inefficient. But right. we're getting there, and I think it's cool. So instead of PoE, you have POW. <laughs> okay. Power over Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm with Pow. you. I'm with you. Um, yawn, somebody else is making another one board cheap computer. Uh, yeah, this is a Kickstarter thing. It's for the Pine A64. The specs on this, well, what it's, it's pretty dang cheap for, uh, $19. You can get a four core 1.2 gigahertz processor with a gig of RAM. So, uh, and that's a gig network. For $15, you can get 512 megs of RAM. You still get the four core processors and you only get a 10100 network. So it's a uh, single board chip. You know, the, the specs kind of beat the pie. They don't blow the pie away, but they kind of beat the pie and it's pretty, pretty cheap and they have busted through their goal. So they've still done it, but you still have 40 days to go if you want to go to Kickstarter. <laughs> And purchase yourself one or more small single board things. So if you if you have the right thing, if you can tap into the right pulse, uh, Kickstarter can be a literal gold mine. You can just mint money through Kickstarter. They had a goal of thirty one thousand dollars with forty days left to go. They were at four hundred forty seven thousand dollars at time of recording. Yep. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna cross a million easy on this thing, uh, which is going to make that, you know, the people who buy the first $15, uh, boards are going to finance the people who can now, who can later buy it at $10 or $5. Cause they're going to be able to man to spin up manufacturing much, uh, much more than they expected. Um, I love these kind of things. They're exciting, but I'm afraid that there's going to be, you know, uh, a system on a chip fatigue that eventually that we're just going to have saturated the point that the next really cool thing isn't going to be get any be able to get any attention because people People can think it's just yet another uh, boy crying wolf. Yeah, that's true. I don't disagree with that. But, you know, it was out there. I came across it. I thought the specs were pretty cool. And, uh, you know, you can run full blown, really, distros on there as far yeah. as specs wise. Quad core. Yeah. It's uh, a they're they're calling a supercomputer tablet. Um, um, so uh, and they're one of the things that they're pitching there is the guy who's doing it used to work for Apple. So if you're if you're into that, well, well the number just went up. Somebody just pledged while I was looking at the page. Uh, I, that's the power of LMNOP right there. Um, no, that's that's kind of cool. Uh, there's some Apple uh, mystique there, and I think that may have something to do with it. Apple did know for a long time how to hire the best engineers. I don't know if they still do, but they did. Anyway, that's just I wanted to share it with our audience. 
to get a little Linux on our Linux show, Dell is now going to make it make it a make you able to update the OS or excuse me the firmware from the OS. This is pretty remarkable. Yes, uh, it's not on the desktop level yet. This is their um, uh, gateway, uh, the Dell Edge gateway, which runs Linux has its OS. They are building it in there to where you can update. Um, now, you know, you don't have to burn a CD or something and boot to it or a flash drive or, you know, make sure you update it in Windows before you load this on there. Um, but if it gets here, then, you know, the next step is to put it on their regular machines, um, at least make a way for that. So I thought it was kind of cool. You know, Dell is at least throwing the Linux community some love. So I wanted to throw them out some positive press because sometimes we know they need it. Yeah, and and this is actually something you the you can do in the Windows world, but there's always warnings. Danger, right. Will Robinson. You may not want to do this. So it'll be interesting to see uh, because uh, Linux offers much more low level support. Maybe it'll be smoother. I don't know, uh, but I I don't think I would trust it. Frankly, I still think I would rather come out of the OS. Now I get it. If you're on a uh, a gateway device or a server, you don't want to come out of the OS. That's why this is necessary. Uh, but still. I'm an old dog. I'm not sure I could be taught that new trick. But it's, you know, I update the BIOS all the time from within Windows. It's it's so easy now. You know, it reboots the machine and then it does it. So basically, you launch it from within Windows. It reboots the machine, does it, and then boots you back into Windows. Right. So it just, you know, adds a uh, some line to the bootloader or whatever the Eufy tag is and does it and then, you know, deletes that line and then you're back in your OS. And one thing I found with my last job is getting the most recent BIOS can literally more than double the speed, your actual speed of the machine. I I was shocked with the, uh, with the machines that we were running windows seven. One of them took literally 15 minutes to boot from the time you hit power to the time you could control out, delete and sign in. It was 15 minutes consistently and then i updated the bios to the recent one and it was just like two minutes because it was an old machine and but yeah this next one seth i think this should be a whole show um i don't know if i want to do that one yeah I, well, that's, i'm teasing that's how the come listener I, mercilessly right now mercilessly that, that's how come i uh, i separated it was uh but it's an in, very interesting article but yeah. yes it deserves more than just a brief little flyby and it'll be a month before we do another show so i don't know so i'm gonna i don't know should i even mention it or just just make them wonder for a month well you know that's why i was thinking we could throw this in the news section of the next show we're going to record and it would just be the one news story we did okay i'll consider that um, but otherwise this is one of those that i think it, it's it would hold a month and still be relevant i think so i think that's i think that's right because the, there's some deeper issues here um <laughs> I, we're so evil <laughs> we're so evil right now doing this but this this is a fascinating story um i really wish you could see what i'm seeing listener this would be uh this would be so great this is why i would be terrible as like a sportscaster right so a guy catches a pass and goes in for a touchdown <laughs> instead of gay, saying he's got it at the 24 i'd be going oh my gosh did you see that that was amazing what he just did there there just are no words that's amazing oh i'm so sorry you couldn't see this i'd be fired after my first game <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is just to give you uh, a teaser. Uh, a, a man posted something on Facebook that caused him to lose his job. But what he posted was on his personal account and had nothing to do with his job. That's what the interesting twist about it. Yep. Da, da, da. Yeah. So we're going to, we're definitely going to talk about this at length in the new Geek Grant podcast. So Seth, tuck that one away for later uh, because this. I, I can just feel the rants rolling up within me already. Let them marinate. Now, I, I once, um, not more than once, actually, have have had uh, my public persona and my professional persona collide in a way. But it was every time it was me doing something that was borderline, right? Me uh, inappropriately speaking as a representative of somebody I shouldn't or, uh, you know, divulging information that while not illegal or unsafe, I probably would have been best not to, uh, uh, things like that. But this is a case of 
a man had a conversation in a public place, Facebook being the public place, that got him fired. That's what's pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I'm gonna. I'm trying to clamp this down. No. Wait, no. I'm wait just, on it. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing the audience because this is something you're going to want to listen to. Um. All right. Next, uh, let's talk about what happened this week in history. All right. This is a uh, fascinating tidbit I stumbled across while trolling the interconnected electronic pathways of the world. Uh, Mark, sorry to say, <laughs> wow. Okay. 12 Des- is <laughs> December. December. Okay. So December the 13th, 1991. The Stanford Linear Accelerator Center, Slack as it's known, put up the first website outside of Europe. It let physicists browse the full text of pre-publication scientific papers on Slack's Spires database directly over the web. This was a radical improvement over the old system, which involved submitting requests and waiting for fax or email versions. Um, has a vital service for the international physics community, the Slack site became an important early step in helping the World Wide Web live up to its ambitious name. That happened this week in history, 1991. For me, such a, this should be like 70s or 80s, but this is night. I was out of high school when this happened. So I feel really old now. Um, this week in history brought to you by Element OP Productions. You remember back in, in this time, 1991, I was in college here, um, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of, of the service, but you had to go to the library at the university and plug into this service that could search. There wasn't a web yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was like connected um, uh, magazines and periodicals and things like that. And you could, you could essentially, it was connected libraries. So this library was connected to that. It was ask somebody like Leo or something like that. I, it had sort of like a person's name. It, it um, was basically a card catalog of, right. of the world, not just of your library. Right. And, and people had scanned in microfiches. You remember what a microfiche is? And they had scanned it. You could pull up the image and you could print it out on the old dot matrix printer. So that, that's the world that, that Slack entered into here um and that's why this is such an amazing thing you no longer did you have to go to some place that was connected to some place any place that had a connection now admittedly there were a few places with connections but now if you were um you know in a, a college student in the u.s and you needed something from europe you could do it and that's that's pretty amazing yeah and you could see it in real time you know you didn't have to wait for the facts and hopefully you know something got smudged or it was empty because you got fax bombed and, oh fax yes. bombs there's a great word yeah. you know um delivery things and office cell furnitures office furniture cells and all that kind of stuff you know or an email um trying to read it on whatever font it came in over at so this this is light years this is like going from a uh it's like going from a cart and horse to an automatic transmission. You just skipped everything in between. So, and I mean, but like I say, I see 1991. My, when I first read that, I thought that has to be a misprint. It had to be years before, but no, 1991 is about right. It kind of puts it into perspective how much we've uh, traversed in such a small chronometer measurement. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's amazing how fast the world is moving. And why I'm excited about the future. Um, all right, Seth, that's it. Uh, what What is your uh, show closing spectacular this week? Okay, this is an interesting thing. I kind of want to learn to crochet because you can take um, a bunch of, you know, plastic bags you get at Wally World or wherever, and you can turn them into a, you know, the title of this bog is Crochet Plastic Bags into Sleeping Mats for the Homeless. But you're basically taking a bunch of plastic bags and you're crocheting them into a mat and i thought this was kind of cool they call it plarn plastic yarn yeah um so anyway you there's like a video that kind of shows you how to do it and just looking at them from the picture you can't they just they look like crocheted things and you know because plastic bags are different colors you got different colors in there i just thought this was cool you know i'm not even in a sanctimonious make one and give it to some homeless person i just think this would be it makes me want to start saving my bags and not recycle them and go buy some crochet needles and try to figure this thing out because it looks kind of cool 
So they say to make about a three foot by five foot uh, sleeping mat, you'll need, uh, oh, I lost it, five to 700 plastic shopping bags. Um, five to 700 seems like a lot, but my family would do that many in a year. Just yeah. my family. Uh, yeah. So uh, we we routinely, you know, we gather them up and we take them back to the stores for recycling. Um, this is, this is not recycling. This is upcycling. Uh, this is exciting. And my, my, my 13 year old likes to crochet. So maybe I'll, uh, turn her in this direction. Yeah. You know, because you could even, you know, you could imagine you could sell one and again, it would be, it would be very expensive and time consuming to produce, but I just think they're kind of cool. So good luck to whoever's going to do this and sell them and, or give them away or just see if you can. See what the what I'm envisioning here is uh, taking. This is an Australian blog called One One Million Women, uh, but I envision uh, a, a charity group, a ch- church group, whatever, um, collecting these from their homes. Right in in a small church like I go to, we could come up with a couple of thousand in a week easily. Um, and then we take these and we we cut them down into the strips, and then we take them to the nursing homes where these little old ladies have nothing else to do and love to crochet and we give them something to do and we get something good out of it. And we uh, interact with this part of our community that is often ignored. So I'm, I'm seeing this happen in my head. Uh, this is an amazing idea. I wish I'd knew, known about it sooner. That's a brilliant idea. I love that. Yeah. So you get, you, you force yourself to interact with these uh, in America. Other countries don't have this problem. Americans like to warehouse their elderly. Once you're no longer of value, we stick you in a, in a warehouse until you die. We call those warehouses nursing homes or, or retirement homes or, or things like that. But they're essentially, you know, we stack them up two or three to a room until they die. And then we clean out the rooms and we stack another one in. It's, it's an old person warehouse. Uh, and there's that vast treasure trove of humanity, of knowledge, of of uh, stories, of history that that's being ignored to die. Uh, you can tell I, I don't care much about this issue, um, and and so much so we've removed them to our from our community so much from our society that people are uncomfortable around old people because we don't see them. They they you most people that you talk to my age or younger kind of get a little skeevy. When they when they have to deal with an old person because that that's not our experience. It's not like in other cultures where uh, uh, three generations live in the same house and and your Awela is there with you the whole time and she's part of the family. Um, that, that's you know in the U.S. we we little children and old people people we don't deem of value we warehouse them. They, we call them daycares or we call them retirement centers. But either way, we're warehousing the people that have no value to us. Um, so this. This thing right here is a way to, to, to help break that down and to serve people who are underserved in terms of the homeless. So I'm excited about the possibility, and I think I'm going to uh, try to make something happen. Uh, i got a few days coming up. I'll try to write up a business plan or whatever and present it to a couple of organizations and see what I can make happen. Sounds like a Kickstarter project. Actually. It really does. Yeah. Dude, I don't, this could be our give back thing for next year. We could organize this. You know, you may have just sold me on that. Um, I, I, I just think everything about this is brilliant. It's taking trash and making it useful. And if you've ever um, uh, had your hand stuck in a plastic bag for whatever reason, you know that they're very well insulated, right? If uh, if you've maybe you don't have this experience because you don't have a family of five, but say the car is a little too crowded to, to haul all the people and all the groceries and you end up sitting with two or three things in your lap for a half hour trip home, you're going to start sweating a little bit. These things are very good insulators. So turning that into a blanket is, is a, is a, a brilliant no brainer idea. I'm thank you, Seth, for bringing this up. This is great. Yeah. I, we, we're onto something here. <laughs> Uh, it started here, folks, on the Everyday Linux podcast. So this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. Do you think I'm a nutbag? Well, that's okay. I probably am. Uh, but tell me more specifically why I'm a nutbag. Go to elementop.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. That sends a nicely formatted email that gets priority in my inbox. Or you can send an email to edl at elementop.com. That goes to both Chris, Seth, and I. Uh, I said both and then said three people. That goes to all three of us. Um, and uh, Or you can uh, dial 512-500-5555. 
559-IMOP. Leave us a voicemail on our Google Voice account, and uh, we'll probably play it right here on the air, on the digital waves, on the bits uh, alongside of ourselves. So those are the ways that you can contact us. We look forward to hear from you. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the year to come. What do you want the Geek Rant podcast to be? Let us know. We will we will do our best to make it happen. I am so happy that we've that you've hung out with us here for another year. Uh, every year, our audience grows, not just in numbers, but in in um, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, um, they're more active. They're more engaged. Engagement. That's the word I was Good looking word. for. Just had a minimum little stroke right there, right in front of you. Uh, <laughs> they not only grows in numbers, but also in engagement. And, and that excites me because it means we're doing something right. We're talking to the right people. We're speaking the right language. Uh, so that, that's great. Let us know. If you like the show, tell other people about it. If there's something you don't like the show, tell me about it and we'll see what we can do to change it. Uh, but the best thing you could do for us, uh, aside from throwing money at us and, you know, Patreon, Amazon, there's all kinds of ways to do that. The, the, the best thing you can do is to tell other people about it. Tell them about this crazy Linux show that's not about Linux that only goes for an hour and a half to two hours every week. No, actually, that doesn't sound like a good sales pitch at all. <laughs> we need to find a better sales pitch. But uh, if you like it, tell people why you like it. That's what I can do. So uh, for the last, uh, this uh, no, we'll t- speak to you one more time before Christmas because the next show will come out December 23rd. So I'm not going to say Merry Christmas yet, but I will say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. Everyday Linux.